John, shortest book in the Bible, 14 verses, 15 verses, sorry, and um, already speaking heresy. I'll read the first uh, eight verses if somebody wants to read the rest. Again, four men and their reputations. All right, third John, the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, who is Gaius, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are who testify to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Somebody could read the rest. I've written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge so if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want, who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. And so, you want to read the final greetings? I have many things to write to you, but I'm not willing to write them to you with pen and ink, but I will see you shortly, and we will speak face to face. Peace be with you, friends for you, greet the friends by name. Awesome, thank you. So the reality is that our reputations are very important to us, even if we don't feel like they are. Your reputation is the estimation of the evaluation um, of your character, your integrity, um, standing as a person. But it's, your, it's the evaluation of everybody else and what they think, um, which sometimes may feel very unfair in the world that we live in. But it's still the reality of having a reputation. Um, it may be a good or bad or a positive or a negative reputation, but be assured we all have a reputation. Isn't that weird? We all have a reputation. Can't escape it. Inescapable. So we have to do something about that. It precedes us. It goes with us. It follows us all of our lives. And as we learn in the Bible, it goes into the beyond, past our death. Um, another Spurgeon quote. 
No, there's not. That's fine. But basically... Is there reaching into your bag of spurgeon <laughs> Yeah, I just have a bag of spurgeon quotes. No, it's okay. I don't have it. But thinking about our reputations, that in mind, we have to ask ourselves these three questions on a regular basis as Christians. Because, um, man, trying to decide how to evaluate your reputation as a non-Christian, that can be quite chaotic. Many, many books written about that. Um, but thankfully, we have one. Um, good questions. First, what do you think of yourself? And this is going into 2022. What do you think of yourself? What do you believe others think about you? And what does God think about you? It's really the Shema backwards. But what do you think about yourself? What do you think others think about you? And what does God think about you? And this is why we follow the Shema, because the Shema fixes this question. <laughs> but Third uh, John, uh, like First and Second Timothy and Titus, it's written to an individual, or Philemon. Technically, maybe you could throw in Luke, but it's sort of for everybody, but Theophilus. But it's written to an individual, and his name is Gaius. And I'm really starting to like this name. I'm really starting to like this guy. Um, it's written by John somewhere between A.D., as we still call it here at this church at least, uh, A.D. AD through 95. Maybe we'll change it to B.C.B. later. Um, yeah. Wait, what is it again? Common era. And what, what did you say? Yeah, but what did you say is the better way to... Somebody said there's a better way to twist that. It's like, be during Christ and Christ ever or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, before Christ era. There you go. <laughs> I like that. Um, but yeah, between 80 and 95 AD, and there's this ancient historian named Eusebius. Does this ring a bell for you? Eusebius. But he claims that it was penned after John was released from the island of Patmos. As I was learning for me that he was even released... Um, in the Aegean Sea. So it's possible that this is the last book that we have written of the Bible, which is very special. And they commented in the book how this is, or in the, you know, the book that I'm following, that this third John book is something that is unfortunately avoided by a lot of people and greatly to our detriment. Um, but it's in a similar style to second John, which Jorge taught, uh, like, four weeks ago, <laughs> but, uh, as we stopped for Christmas, but similar style in that it's got a same, the same style and the same like length, um, but there's huge differences. Um, where Second John mentions nobody by name and talks about showing hospitality to the wrong visitors and um, and its major concern is truth. Third John revolves around four key men and names all of them. It talks about showing hospitality to the right visitors, <laughs> and its major concern is love. Um, so as we look at these four men, again, let us examine ourselves and uh, our hearts and see if any of these four men remind us of ourselves and use this going forward this year. Again, it's Gaius, Diotrephes, wait, is that what you said? That's what I say too, and Demetrius. Um, so looking at Gaius, uh, let's look at verses one through eight again. Uh, does somebody want to read the first four verses? The elder to the beloved Gaius, and the love of truth. The love that I pray 
all may go well with you, and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. And we'll be sitting on Gaius for a while here, but just like in Second John, the author at the beginning of the book is known as the elder, which we agreed on Second John that that was John, and I think we can agree on that again, but no offense to anybody who thinks differently. Uh, but he's an older man of respect. He's an elder, um, not speaking of himself. <laughs> this is a very different person. But he, he's an older man of respect, authority, integrity, courage, commitment, and conviction. This elder would be a man of authority rooted in his spiritual maturity. He has authority because of his spiritual maturity. So this should encourage us, as, as this is who John became, just as all of us will grow old and continue to seek the truth in the spirit, this is something that we should be looking for, something that we should be looking at. Old people who are known for their spiritual maturity. And when we say things, we actually help people because they listen or don't, like diatrophies. And when do you become old? <laughs> I don't know. Not there yet. When do you become old? <laughs> Just kidding. When you <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> As an elder, John commends Gaius in four areas of his life that all of us should seek to excel in. So, firstly, when we look at one and two, um, he talks about whom I have loved in truth. That's already quite a high um, praise there. But, beloved, I pray that all may go well with you. And uh, that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Um, so first of all, he's calling him dear friend, as he has been throughout the first letter and the second letter. Um, again, not something that we should just be like, that's just something he says. No, it's something we should really take to heart. He says it all the time. This is the way that we should think of each other as dear, dear friends, dear brothers and sisters. Really can't get away from that. It needs to be our compass here for each other. But God, um, he greets Gaius, expressing deep, heartfelt love for him. And something they point out is that Gaius was a very popular name at the time. And there's actually quite a few men mentioned in the New Testament that are Gaius. Uh, this author, Daniel Aiken, he points out that he doesn't really think this is the Gaius that's probably talked about in the other parts of the Bible. I'm, I'm assuming probably because of the date at which he thinks this was written. Um, the Gaius that's mentioned in the other parts is like an axe and things like that. This is way, way later. So could be, could not be the same guy. But it was a very popular name at the time. Uh, maybe we should bring that name back. But, uh, one of the first things we see John say about Gaius is that he hopes his physical health may be as good as his spiritual health. Why is that such a compliment to Gaius? 
uh, as John is emphasizing that spiritual health is more valuable than physical health, but he's also hoping that his physical health is also blessed because he's hoping he's just doing well. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it's quite a thing to say, right? I mean, I feel like <clears throat> it'd be difficult. I mean, if it, it's something that if you tried to say about yourself, you'd feel awkward, right? Like, I hope my physical health is as good as my spiritual health. <laughs> like, it's quite a compliment. Um, do we... Uh, is that for sure, like, that's what he's saying? Or is he just saying... Sure. I pray that it goes well for your good health, as I hope it does for your soul, too. Sure. I don't know. Yep. Not that we can spend a lot of time on that. <laughs> I guess it, it makes me think of is how John is like how much to truly care about someone is you can go one extreme and be like I just hope that you're doing well physically and I pray for your safety I pray you don't get the coronavirus and, but or you can go the other way and be like all I care about is your soul but like you know mm -hmm. if you're languishing in health and like whatever I just care about your soul but John's just like hey man I'm praying for your for your physical well-being as I am for like the good of your soul mm -hmm. no I agree yeah it's just something they put out in the book that I thought was special I see it as a compliment as if John <clears throat> seeing something in him that he may not be seeing of himself much like we often do with people right you will see Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that's what he's alluding to here is that yeah. he sees the goodness in his soul and, and then he's confident enough saying, okay, your soul is good, so I hope that your physical health matches that, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's an assumption from, uh, or maybe some sort of research, research from Aiken here that he was actually, like, maybe not doing so well. And the guy's like, well, I hope it's as good as your spiritual health. Um, and I think it definitely follows up. The verse doesn't stand alone, but it follows up with the verses that follow that describe such a, such a Christ-like person. Um, in this last year, 2021, do you think you thought more about your physical health or your spiritual health? This this one I might actually be on the right course. I, yeah, I, I might actually be okay here. Yeah, I mean, I'm <laughs> to say, but I think maybe, no, no, it's be honest. Yeah. That's a big topic here. But for yeah. her, but my spiritual health, I think about all the time. I mean, I'm just never aware of it. <clears throat> no, that, and that's a good thing. And I think that's what Gaius thought. What about everybody else? What do you think? I think I went back and forth for sure. I don't know. I think I had a lot of days where, oh, I don't feel good. Uh I'm not going to talk to God today. I feel bad. Mine's done. Uh, my flesh. Sorry. Mine's stuff and I've even a stronger focus on my spirit. That's great. Um, because I, I found myself being very curious and, and through Bible reading and such, it's, it was a lot of exposure to things that I hadn't been exposed to previously. Um, I had never dedicated as much time as I did this last year to reading the Bible and 
just thinking about what I was reading. Sure. And by no means did I give it the time it needs, but I definitely spent more time spiritually than I did physically. And do you think, I mean, if, I'll just ask it, but you would have lost something if you would have thought about yourself more physically instead of spiritually? I'm sure. Would it would have been worth it? I would have lost something, but I wouldn't have known I lost it. <laughs> you know, because I didn't. If you had to trade. We had to trade. Looking I mean, you're a healthy person. Looking back now, I, I think I still would have done the same thing because this is long term. Mm -hmm. My physical health will wane and it will give way to, you know, human death and and I will age and, and everything, but this can only grow in me, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas my physical body is going to suffer and wither away. Exactly. Exactly. And you know what? Well, one thing that this whole pandemic, whatever, has <clears throat> really highlighted, I think society in general, we're seeing, um, saw the fear, still do see the fear of, of it, and it sort of exposes just the, um, I don't know, the spiritual bankruptcy of, of society in general, which we yeah. know, but it was sort of exposed in, in a different way. And it made me consider, just in my own life, you know, how the things I value and how much I value, I don't know, safety mm -hmm. <laughs> and things like that. And um, I would say it made me, and part of this is as I grow old, I start to think more and more about um, um, eternity with, you know, with a new body <laughs> yeah, and things like that, you know, it's like, um, basically, you know, this world, this isn't our, our, uh, this is a, you know, just a tiny blip in eternity. Right. And, uh, and so, I don't know, just, uh, looking, just sort of looking at, Health and safety and all those things, maybe looking at it in more of a, a right perspective. Yeah. As far as, you know, yeah, health and safety for what? Um, sure. Is is um, an involuntary thought maybe on uh, on our physical well-being? Um, I know I noticed that at work. You know, they kept on saying, "Be safe." Uh, young people, because I've worked with a lot of 19, 20 years old, uh, young people need to get vaccinated. Old people definitely need to get vaccinated. Sure. He says that, yes, I'm talking to you 50 sons. And it's like, you know, mm -hmm. so, so it's not like we were purposely focusing more on, uh, on health than on Bible. Sure. But, you know, it's just because of the environment that it became such a, an explosion. Yeah. That we were just thrown in there. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's a good thing to focus more on, uh, on uh, Bible and, and yeah. spiritual realm. But uh, I don't think we had a, a limited amount of choice. Sure. Just focusing on self and health and body and mm -hmm. pandemic period. Yeah. And my, goal's, my goal here, of course, as you know, is not... It's not to condemn or anything like that, but just to get you to think this year. 
to think about the reality of the two. John wants both for him. He wants him to be physically healthy, good steward of his body, temple of the Holy Spirit. At the same time, he wants him to have a healthy spiritual life. And it's no, it's no problem that he's naming a person. It's fine. Gaius doesn't care. He cares about Jesus Christ. And for the same reason, look to Sean and Bethany. They eat very healthy. And they're very spiritually healthy people. And it's okay for me to point out that. That's a good thing. This is somebody I should try to be like this year. I should try to be like guys. I should try to be like them. I know they probably have plenty of problems. Guys probably disgusting guy. Lots of things are wrong with him. But he's been made clean by Jesus Christ. And he's following that path. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Though secondly, we have to move on. Three to four. So he walks, or he, he lives spiritually. That's the kind of person he is. His life is about, yeah, physical health, but he has a healthy spiritual life. Can you say that about yourself? Measure yourself against that. And on top of that, tied with that, for I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And this is where he sat in the most in the book. Probably don't have time. But the reality is, is that along with the spiritual living comes with walking truthfully. Again, feel free to look to Sean about these. Sorry, I'll stop there. I'll stop picking on you there. But walking truthfully is not only worth great rejoicing in Christ, but John here states that he has no greater joy than seeing that his children are walking well. And of course, this is uh, like a, a, a deep, wise, old, wise father looking down. Uh, he's brothers and sisters with these people, but there, there's another relationship there that we see. And I just want to encourage you to feel the same way. Like, is that something that is being held high in esteem in your mind when you think of church? Do you think of like, I just want to see others? You know, I know we want to see it in ourselves. But God first, others second, ourselves last, right? Like, I think if you're serving others to be their absolute best, you're going to find out. And you're going to see this through Gaius in a second. You're going to find out that you are actually getting to the place you want to be if you're focusing on others. Maybe more than you should yourself. Um, fifth or third, he serves faithfully. Five through six says... Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. Now, Aiken reads into this as giving an example that there are people coming to this church that are sort of, maybe, maybe they're missionaries sent by John, who are total strangers to Gaius. And Gaius does nothing but show them hospitality and encourages them, even though they're strangers, and then uh, sends them on their merry way in the exact manner that they should be sent, encouraged and ready to continue their mission. Um, <clears throat> I just want to, one question. What makes a Christian helping out strangers different than a non-Christian helping out strangers? This is something we see on TV or we're pushed when we're kids and things like help the poor, help the... But without even being saved, like, what's the difference? That's a, that's a good question, because there's a lot of non-Christian help that is helpful in 
Mm-hmm. That's a good question. One thing, as brothers, <clears throat> when someone comes in the church, a stranger, their brother, mm-hmm. sister, there's an immediate affinity. I mean, we we yes we have that. It's it's like it's. A stranger and that it's a new face, but yeah. but we're not strangers. I mean, we've all, I, I think all of us have experience, you know, going somewhere, you find out someone's a Christian, and in, instantly there's mm-hmm. this bond, this affinity. And I mean, it's, it's more than just identifying with the same group. It's, you know, it's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so. I think that there's good, or? I, I, <laughs> explain the question. Are you saying what's the difference between a Christian doing good and a non-Christian? What's the difference between a Christian helping strangers and a non-Christian helping strangers? Well, from what we have agreed from John, uh, it was like, uh, you know, they'll know you are Christians by the way you love one another. Sure. Okay, so it's like it's like a command that we're supposed to be helping each other. Mm-hmm. In, in a civilian part, most of it, they're going to say, well, uh, Santa's watching, so mm-hmm. <laughs> And that ties into this, too, exactly what you're saying. We see in verse 7, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. And that's not meaning, like, in this sense, it's meaning kind of like the pagans, like people who aren't of the church. They're not accepting money from people who aren't of the church. They're staying with their own people. They're working together. And that goes with what you're saying, loving the way we love one another. We, as a church, work together to help other people from other churches. Um, But I think there's this difference where there's sort of just this unknown, I think, that has to maybe be admitted and or maybe there's just all these different beliefs from people who are non-christians helping strangers probably a lot of different views for why they're doing what they're doing whereas all of us have unity in knowing exactly why we're doing what we're doing you know helping a stranger it's very different it's very different and here gaius is just i'm serving them because christ served me why, why it doesn't matter like and again there's the tie with the brother the brothers and maybe when I say stranger we immediately assume a non-christian but in this case maybe you go on both sides a non-christian helping a stranger non-christian a Christian helping a stranger Christian it's very different we're just family we know that we've been taught that and there's this immediate like like I said there's an immediate understanding and love and it's, it's what the world wants, and we have it. It's kind of an amazing thing. Um, and that's what Gaius is showing us here. He jumps right in. It's not of any, it's just, there's no pride. He's just, it's his duty. And he loves to do it. Of course he loves to do it. Um, and in 7 and 8, for they, gone, for they have gone out for the sake of the name. What's the name? Verse 7, they've gone out for the sake of the name. Sunday school answer? Nice. Sunday school answer wins. The name of Jesus Christ. The only time he's mentioned in this passage. Jesus Christ. They've gone out for the sake of the name. Not accepting anything from the Gentiles. Not getting help from, you know, the outside. Staying together as the church. Um, Not because, you know, they hate the outside, but because... 
needs to be, you know, internal. It needs to be the church's money. They don't want to be influenced whatsoever by the money of somebody with a different belief. Is this like the, so all of our jobs writing to this church are writing to guys. Mm -hmm. He has in mind, like, people that he has that maybe he has sent out as missionaries? It's possible. I just know they're missionaries of some kind because they're being sent out for the name of Jesus Christ, you know? It's like when Paul says things like, welcome so-and-so as as you welcome me or welcome Christ. Who knows they're doing another church or if they're just traveling somewhere for a specific reason to see to see somebody like all these guys are always wanting to do i can't wait to see you face to face just a really immediate application sure I'm not saying too much time. no it's fine like when you have when you encounter that person i'm thinking more out in the public you know you just run into somebody and you find out through conversation that you share this common interest in christ yeah um, it's just a really encouraging and good thing to make much of that and dwell on it and mm-hmm. talk about it because that, I mean, that a lot of times has made my day. It's just interacting with another believer who's zealous mm-hmm. for the same things I am. That makes me think of that story. I don't know where you were, but you heard those people talking. Just yeah. went over and started talking to them. Secondly, John Bunyan. Like, he's just, I know he might have not been saved, but he heard them over and he heard them and he kept listening and he became saved, right? He was walking by a door. Ladies were just talking. When people were talking about Jesus. It's not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing. Um... And uh, 8 says, therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. And that's something that's super crucial, I think, this year. And probably, maybe maybe you're already practicing it, that's good. But everything that we practice as Christians, we get deeper and deeper, deeper into the real meaning. It becomes more and more of who we are, so we've got to continue with that. But helping each other to spread the truth um being fellow workers for the truth by serving one another that is a very special thing that we see here through um gaius one thing i want to do this year it's sort of i guess a resolution but i was thinking about is i want to pray more specifically for our missionaries out there Mm -hmm. you know i i pray generally you know a lot but i want to myself just very specifically pray for them. Yeah. Maybe correspond with them a little bit, which I've never done. So, mm-hmm. you know, because it is a partnership, you know, that we share. So. Exactly. And like like he, Christ talks about in the Bible about being a light. He also talks about, I don't know if it's Christ, maybe it's God, but <laughs> hiding your light under a bushel, right? A light, if you're, if you're taking forward the truth, the only thing that can vary is the brightness. Um, or maybe wandering. But in this case, they come to the church, and what does Gaius do? He maintains their brightness. He, he encourages them. When they get there, oh, tired from traveling, he encourages them and sends them with the same brightness to go on. And that, like, that's what we should do every Sunday. It should be our goal when we're driving to church. Like, I can't wait. I can't wait to light other people up to just, in whatever way he chooses. You know, I can't necessarily pick that. That's something I've found at this church. I never find out who I'm really going to talk to. (laughs) Unless I seek somebody out. But there's always these little interactions of love with, I'm looking at all of you, with every single one of you. Sorry, I don't want to cry. But (laughs) these little... Don't the impact of your simple words on the Sunday gathering. 
Yeah. Who God leads you to share them with. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's a word. Word from yeah. the word. And don't don't uh, underestimate that. Don't underestimate not doing it too. When we come to church and maybe we have this one finger that's bruised and won't work, it's all we can think about. You know, when we all work together, we maintain a light of the truth. And it's 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 not that it's not that it, I'm like, well, we need to give ourselves enough credit. It's just like, be joyful, <laughs> like accept the joy that comes with that. God will take the credit, but there's a great joy in just coming here and just being together and keeping each other going. Um, so those are the four things about him. Then we take a, a, quite a turn in 9 and 10 to Diotrephes. And he had four things to say about Gaius. He has four things to say about Diotrephes. Again, those four things about Gaius are that he lived spiritually, he walked truthfully, he served faithfully others, and he ministered generously. Um, making the light stay. It's not just about serving them, but making sure that their heart and their soul feels ministered to, not just their body. So there's this constant between the spirit and the flesh, um, both of them being good. So, Diotrephes, the first thing that Diotrephes does wrong is in verse 9. Um, uh, maybe you've experienced a person like this, but there's two things in verse 9 that I'll shoot through. But do not be driven by prideful ambition. In verse 9 it says, I have written something to the church by Diot, but uh, Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So the main phrase there is Diotrephes, <laughs> I like this, but Diotrephes, <laughs> who likes to put himself first. And kind of as a joke, I wanted to say, don't be a butt person. <laughs> don't be. The church was going well, but Scott Farkas decided to screw it up. Or, man, that, send, that Bible study was going really, really well, but Cruella DeVille decided to make it all about herself. Talk, talk, talk. Don't be a butt person. <laughs> don't be contrary to the movement of your church that's already going the opposite way. It's already hard enough for your church to be going against the culture. And then you want to be a butt person? You want to go the other? But I want to go a different way. I want to be something better. I want to be make it about myself. This is what Lucifer did. Don't do it. Don't be a butt person. Um, it's... And there's this, there's this arrogance as well. So he's doing this for himself, which is against the Shema. It's the opposite of Gaius, the complete opposite. The Shema? the Shema is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. I don't think you're, you're even mentioned, <laughs> but. Shema Israel, which is the Hebrews, the first word, right? So like, I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Hero Israel. But God first, other second, me last, basically is the American way that break down the Shema. And this guy's doing the exact opposite. And we have to take a second just to just to focus in on his arrogance here. Um, he says John says this about him, John, a, a person who 
we can trust, does not acknowledge our authority. That's that's not good. Um, I, I'm sorry. It doesn't. I don't think it really matters whatever church you're in. Um, I'm going to push on this a little bit, but even if you're in your, your church, you're in a church, and like I had, a, I had experience, right? My, I was going to a church is bad. They're starting to do really bad things, and my father did not stand up in the middle of the church and start screaming, like I've seen lots of YouTube videos about. Even people at West uh, Westboro, that really awful church that does terrible things to people. That's such a horrible horrible splotch on our name they're not of us but as far as I know I won't judge them but my father didn't stand up in the congregation and be like this is heresy he didn't do that he went and talked to the pastor in his office because the pastor had been sovereignly placed as the pastor of that church he talked to him didn't go well he left and what happened a lot of other people left too because they asked him what would you talk about Whereas if, who knows what would have happened if he would have stood up, this is heresy, maybe nobody would have listened to him. But because he handled it correctly, I believe that the Lord blessed that situation. A lot of people left for the betterment, to study the Bible and to not, you know, do some of the things they were doing and won't get into that. But this is similar, and this is something I've seen in my dad too. My dad's really helped me with respect in life, but God through him. But especially with 2016, and, and the years before, for the right and the left, my dad, even during the, uh, when like Obama was in was president, he was so disappointed in soldiers who would speak badly of the president. It, it's just something that when he was in the Air Force, it was so wrong. It's not even a question, like something you are not supposed to do. Maybe it's something at the academy specifically. And it, it just disappointed him so much. And it's not because it's the, the, the motto, and you see it in the end of Band of Brothers, the motto is, you salute the rank, not the man. Why? Because we submit to the sovereign authority of God. He's placed people where they are. So even if Diotrephes is this guy who's right, he's not handling it right. <laughs> he's not talking to authority. He's not going through the process. August, a very good example in Acts where he had Yeah. Yeah, I'm bad enough. <laughs> and I, I don't want to be too, I don't want to offend anybody, but I know where I'm at here, as far as I know. I've thought about it a lot. But we definitely, I, I, there's definitely fringes. <laughs> I know that for sure. There's people who want to follow authority all the way, and when maybe they shouldn't follow authority. <laughs> maybe it's time to let the Bible decide. And then there's other people who are like, we need, it's almost like new zealots or something. It's like, we want to be radical. Like, we want to, the Bible is the only authority, and all these rulers, they're all wrong. And it's just, it's the way I interpret it, it's the way I interpret it, so that's the way I'm going to be. And we've seen the results of that. It's not good. It's bad. And that's why some of these verses later in this text are very important. Do not imitate evil, but imitate good. (laughs) 
Whoever does good is from God. That's the deciding verse in this section for these different people. And, oh, this guy's nice because of this. Diotrephes is bad because of that. It all comes down to that. And the two other things about Diotrephes is he, uh, that we should heed is do not deliver perverse accusations and do not dominate with profane activity. There's this, and that's in verse 10, says, so if I come, I will bring up what he's doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. <laughs> it's so rad, talking wicked nonsense against us. And uh, not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty noticeable, pretty intense. And he talks in the book about how this is... This is a digression. He lost control of his motives. He lost control of his decisions. He lost control of his tongue. And then he lost control of his actions. This is the digression that we choose when we choose to not be like Gaius. When we for a second say, maybe, maybe I need to do it a little bit for myself. Maybe a little bit for myself. See, the motive, the motive is lost. As soon as you do that, maybe a little bit for myself. You're toying with a different motive, and the digression, I promise you, follows. Motive, decisions, your mouth, and then your actions. I saw it happen in my last church. I've heard about it a lot from my dad's past churches. His actions here are the complete opposite, even worse than Gaius. Not only is Gaius serving these strangers to forward the ministry of the gospel, this guy is refusing them and then getting mad at those. And what does it say? Trying to put them out of the church. How dare you help these people? What is the, what's the church even doing? If that's the way it's being ran. What is Diotrephes' goal? I wish we had time to talk about that. Um, there's, there's this interesting thing uh, in the book I don't have, but this guy, uh, this Christian guy wrote this article, um, this pretty well-known article, and he specifically wrote about diatrophies. He was writing about diatrophies. He didn't name diatrophies, but he was specifically writing about diatrophies. And then he got, he got this response from like the editor, and it was like, there are 25 deacons who say you can't print this because you're assaulting them personally. <laughs> he didn't name a single name. They thought it was about themselves. I just say that to say that this is a very real thing. It's very easy to lose your motive, to lose your decisions, and then your tongue, and then your actions. And so John very awesomely sandwiches this wonderful, I don't know if, I don't know if you guys noticed yet, Diotrephes is not the guy to beat. So he's the, meat, he's the meat of our thing here. He sandwiches it with Demetrius, a guy who's like on the rise. He's, this is to Gaius and how great Gaius is. And then in Demetrius, we see a little bit more of that. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. That is the difference between Gaius and Diotrephes. Nothing else by who they are personally, but by what the truth of the matter is. If you do what is good, you're from God. If you don't, you're not. And Demetrius, as another example, has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself, the church and the Bible. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. Um, 
there's this, uh, again, not meaning to offend anybody. I need to stop with stuff like that. But there's this great example. I, I think in our world, there is a misunderstanding. And I think that it's actually very well illustrated by Harry Potter. When Harry Potter goes to get his wand, He's, he gets his wand, and, and the, the greatest enemy in the book happens to have a wand that was, came from the very same phoenix, right? It was the same, the, the phoenix only gave two feathers, and that's where the magical thing comes in with the wands. And the, the wand owner tells him, oh, we must expect great things from me then, because the feather that went into the wand of this evil man, he did great things, terrible, terrible things, but they were great. That is a misunderstanding of what is good. And that is what this verse is saying. Do not imitate evil, but imitate good. We can look at things in the world and be like, that's a great thing you did. I know it was wrong, but it was great. That we should never, never, never think that way. And that's people who do think that way are the people that will follow Diotrephes. Because Diotrephes is not, he's not something to just ignore. He has power. People will follow him. People like to follow other people, especially when it's, you know, feeding your sin nature. So we see in Demetrius another good, and then the last one, can anyone guess who the last man is for our lesson? <laughs> is it the Sunday school answer? It says we also had our testimony. Exactly. Know that our testimony is true. Yeah. The last guy is John, uh, an apostle of Christ. And, re and really, you can analyze him through the entire letter. His ability to discern between these two men, or these, these three men. But the way that he talks, in the end, I write to you, but I'd rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon. We'll talk face to face. Peace be to you, the friends greet you. Greet the friends, every one of them. He wants to see them face to face. He wants to deal with this. He's a shepherd. He wants to go in head on and take care of this. And he wishes them peace because the situation has created dissension and frustration and difficulty. And one of the key things, because we're out of time, that I liked that they talked about is uh, they said, this is the only time in the New Testament that the word friend is used to describe a Christian. And they said, this is possibly looking back to John 15, 13, that said, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And that's what we see in Gaius. And of course, that's what we see in Christ. I just want to encourage you guys this year to really take hold of your fellowship and the truth that you have and how much space there is in there to grow in Christ, to think of others more than yourself and to grow yourself because you do that, um, to walk in the truth and to not walk in your own blowing with the wind thoughts. I really think that these two things, the truth and us together, when you look at your, I don't know if anybody, maybe you guys have given up at this point. I, I have, so I assume the older people have. But of coming up with, you know, to-do lists, the new, the new list for 2022. Um, I can't think of what that's called right now. New 
Resolution. Resolution list. Um, the revolution list. But uh, instead of uh, maybe looking at that, which is a good thing, looking at the broad strokes of the fellowship and the truth. And I know Davies could talk about the truth today and how we need to be in it constantly. But this fellowship that we have, this is separate from the world. This is where we come to be f- totally free, to encourage us to be free out there about the gospel, to be like Gaius, to not be afraid to be like Gaius, to serve servants, to, to know what true love is when you see a brother instead of being confused as to what love is by the world. Like, well, love is those who do things for you. Love are things who do this, the Godfather. It's people who do you a favor. That's true love. We need to stay focused, and uh, I think the big difference here, as you can see in verse 11, between Gaius and Diotrephes, and uh, Demetrius and Diotrephes, and John and Diotrephes, and Jesus and Diotrephes, and hopefully you all in Diotrephes, is that you imitate what is good and not what is evil. Because whoever does good is from God, and whoever does evil has not seen God. It sounds easy, but it's not. So please, please, guys, focus on it. Mm